Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes. My name is Bill Boley, and I'm delighted to uh, welcome you to Hosanna for worship on this uh, magnificent Sunday morning. You nine o'clock people, you got the extra hour of sleep last night. It, you look good. You look fantastic. We got a marvelous group watching out in Shakopee. Good morning, Shakopee. We will have about 2,000 people watching this service online this morning. Some of them are sitting in deer stands in northern Minnesota, but they're watching. They're worshiping God. They're waiting for Bambi to come by. I don't think it's right, but anyway. <laughs> when, when we come to the God's house, we always have a number of things to celebrate. Some days are special, like this one. You know what this morning is? In the church calendar, this is called All Saints Sunday. Let me bring a, a scripture to your mind, and I'll, and I'll talk to you about it. Paul writes this in Ephesians 2. He says, now therefore, hear this. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Okay? Two great themes. There's a lot in this verse, but there's two great themes. One is this business of homecoming. What Paul's saying is you're no longer just out there, a stranger, a foreigner, a wanderer, lost, but you're in the household of God and you belong here. And some of you have... A number of you over the years have said to me, tearfully, with emotion, you know, first time I came here, I felt like I came home. That's part of what happens here is this homecoming. You're back where you belong. And then the second thing that, that Paul is lifting up for us is when you come home, you, you are a child of God for sure, but you are also, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're one of the saints. Aren't those the people that have gone on before? Sure enough, and they're surrounding us right now. Bible says that. But you, my friend, are a living saint of Almighty God. Say it after me. I am a living saint. It, honestly, it's something to live up to and to live out. It really is, okay? I'm having a great week for lots of reasons. I got, we got the fountains, you know, our seniors' residence over here. I got to preach at uh, chapel on Wednesday morning. And guess who I am down there? I'm the new guy. Or, uh, or honestly, I'm the young guy. And, and they talk to me and they treat me that way. And I, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I think some of the women are checking me out, you know. And they're, and they're thinking, well, this guy's short, but he's got all of his teeth, you know. And his, his hair is trimmed, you know, the hair and the ears, it's good. So down there, I'm the young guy. I come here. The exact opposite, right? I'm the old guy. And especially for some of you who haven't been around here for a while, I hear you talking. Who is this guy? Well, that's the old guy. He used to work here. <laughs> what did he do? Nobody knows. That's why they fired him. <laughs> so, I love you people. I want to have some fun with you this morning. We do this from time to time, and I'm serious, and I mean it. Look at me. Reach in your pocket. Reach in your purse. Take out your money clip, your billfold, your wallet. Whatever it is that you have on you, I can't wait for you. They're timing me on the speech. So get that out right now, would you? We need to take a look at it in God's house, okay? For me, that, that's all I have. I got two credit cards in there, you know, my insurance card, my driver's license, and about $13, I think. But I can go around the world with that. That's all I need. Uh, what you have here says a lot about you. I was with a woman the other day, and she opened up her billfold, and she had about 32 cards in there. I said, if you shuffle those, we can play go to the dump. <laughs> okay, this says a lot about you, so pass it to the person on your left. <laughs> pass it to the person on your left. You, can, you greeted them. You can trust them. Good person over there, okay? Now, I understand 
There's a little tension in the room already. Let's heighten that. We're going to receive the offering now. And the, <laughs> you think I'm kidding. And the, and the one thing you know about this person is that they've always wanted to be more generous. So help them out this morning, okay? Okay, pass it back. Take, take a deep breath. People are starting to look for the exits. We got to get out of here. Here come the ushers. Uh, they're going to wait on us and receive our gifts and our sacrifices and our offering. But I, I want to do, and as they're coming, I want to do one more thing with you because this is fun too. I'm going to count to three in this whole room out in Shakopee. And on the count of three, you're going to call out with loud, clear voice what your household income is. Okay, you ready? <laughs> we, got, we have nothing to hide. We are a people of candor. No shame or guilt in this place. One, two, and by the way, most of you are, would never shout out a number, but the number one response in the room would be, because you have a sense of humor, not enough. How much do you make? Not enough. Because there's a feeling in the room that if we had just a little bit more, then what? Then we'd be happy, and then, by the way, Pastor Bill, you old man, then I'd be generous. Well, folks, that gives us something to talk about today, okay? I want to uh, be personal with you for a few moments. What do I mean by that? Um, I feel I, I have been thinking about this, and I felt it in preparation for today. I feel like it's standing here. Like I am speaking to you somewhat with a new voice and from a new vantage point. What am I talking about? Since the last time I stood here, last time I saw most of you, I turned 70. What? You don't look like it. Thank you. It's okay. <laughs> so I turned 70. It's a... It's just a number, isn't it? But it's kind of a big number. And I've been thinking about it and reflecting on it and reading about it, okay? I want to bring something to you that I read just Friday morning. Ah, I like it. I'm reading a book called The Gift of Years, and here's what she wrote. In your dreams, you are never 80. What? Think about it. And some of you heard 30 and 40. Well, yeah, that's for sure, but you wait. Those of you around my age, you get that? In your dreams, you're never 70 or 80. Or what, what are you? There's not a number there, is there? And then she goes on to say, dreams reveal this truth to us about life. Hear it? The years are biological. The spirit is eternal. Hello. Hello. Let that thought lean on your mind, okay? The years are biological. We put numbers on the biology. This... <laughs> This body is 70 years old. I've got the wrinkles and the scars to prove it to you. There's another part of me, my spirit, my friends, that is just as young as anybody in the room. And I love that. It feels good. That's something about living out in God's kingdom, okay? Secondly, um, in your life, this is still true for me, even at this age. In your life, don't, aren't you open to and don't you want people who are elders, people who have a measure of wisdom to speak into your life. Those of us that are 70 and 80 and 90, we, we have a lot of life experiences. I think that's just another say, way of saying wisdom. It has nothing to do with IQ or, or ego. I'm not talking about that. But we have seen some things. We've survived some things. We've overcome some things. We've built some things. We've lost some things. And we've survived that. 
And so we, we come from that place where we can speak with a long look back over the years. It's with that in mind, I'll get to the topic of the day, I promise. But with that in mind, I want to say three things to you that I've been thinking about. It will, it will form a context. It will put lights on the message for this morning. First thing I want you to, to hear from me is, would you write down that God is sovereign? In my seven years of life and 43 years of ministry, I have seen how faithful God is. He's reliable. He's never late, never early. He's always just on time. I have studied his promises, and I have seen him keep every single one, okay? God is sovereign. You can trust him. And the God who is sovereign, the God who places the stars in their place at night and calls them by name, knows your name, and he knows your need, and he knew exactly what seat you'd be sitting in on this Sunday morning. And he's on your side, and he loves you, and, and he, in fact, he likes you. It's just a, another way of thinking. Of it. He likes you. He's not upset with you. He's not waiting for you to mess up. He likes you. With this sovereign God in mind, hear this thought. I'll, I'll make, it'll make sense. What you focus on gets bigger. Where did he just go? What you focus on gets bigger. If in your life, and again, I've seen this over the years, if in your life you focus on your problems and the issues and what's going on in your life, oh, boy, they get big if I got problems. And you say that to the other guy, well, she or he's got problems too, and now it's a competition. Who's got the biggest problems? Because that's what you're focused on. If, if you focus on this sovereign God, if you focus on the power of the Holy Spirit that you can tap into, then these problems that you've been focused on, they be honestly, folks, honestly, they get downsized. And they just can't defeat you. And so the first thing I would remind you of this morning is that uh, we're here to worship a, a sovereign God. We really are. Would you write this down too? That spiritual warfare is real. Oh, he's coming from left field all the way today. Spiritual warfare is real. Am I standing before you as uh, a friend of yours and as a pastor and telling you that I believe there is such a person, such a force as Satan or the devil? Yes, I am. Look at me, folks. Yes, I am. And I have my full faculties. Mostly. Why do I believe that? Why do I say that to you? For two reasons primarily. One is that Jesus talked about the enemy. He was tempted by him out in the wilderness for 40 days. Who do you, how do you think we know that story? <laughs> Satan didn't talk about, you know, I was out there with Jesus and he had my number for 40 days. He, he wouldn't tell that story. Very intimately, very personally, Jesus would have told that story about this temptation. And Jesus also said this in John 10, verse 10. The enemy, hear this, the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life, fullness of life. Who's the enemy? That's who we're talking about. Comes to steal, kill, and destroy all that God would give us. And my goodness, he's good at it. Especially when we don't believe that he exists. Man, he's doing his job. Second reason I believe in an evil spirit and the devil is because of what you and I see every single day, what we see and what we hear, the division, the rancor, the anger, the animosity, the violence, and, and whew, that puts a heaviness in the room, but we're seeing it every single day, aren't we? And the explanation for that, I believe, is not the Democrats, it's not the Republicans, it's not what we hear on the news. At the very heart of it is evil. It is evil, which instills in us a fear. 
So many people, including a number of you, are afraid today for a variety of reasons. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. I believe that right now we are a long ways from sacrificial perfect love in this nation. Ultimately, the devil's not going to win, but he's having his way with us right now. Think on some of those things. Third thing I want to say to you from this, with this new voice and this new vantage point is this stuff works. What are you saying now? What stuff? Forgiveness, grace, sacrifice, humility, tithing, kindness, loving God, loving your neighbor. It all works. It works now. Now. Many of us grew up, and in, in some of you to this day, you, you, you think, in a, in a way, you think of Christianity as, this is the way to heaven. <laughs> you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to love God. I'm going to do the best I can, and ultimately, I'm going to go to heaven. Folks, what God has revealed to us and what Jesus taught us works now. And you get heaven thrown in. It's not pie in the sky by and by when you die. It works right now in your Mondays and in your meetings and in your marriages and when life is in a mess. This is the stuff of life right now on Monday and Tuesday morning. It really is. It works. It works. Here's what Paul said when he's writing to this young man, 1 Timothy. Hear it. He said, physical training is of some value. Well, yeah, physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise, hear this, for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Would you say amen? amen. And what you're, when you say amen, you're agreeing with it. This stuff works. It really does. And, and I've heard people say, and I like this, even if there wasn't a heaven, I'd still be a Christian. Because it works. All of that brings me to today's topic. And you might think, oh, it's about time. Okay. Today's topic is part two in this sermon series. Two masters. And our theme verse, as you know, is uh, Matthew 6, verse 24. Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you know, you, no one can serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot. No one can. Serve money and serve God. And Ryan teed this up last week. He had an excellent message. And this morning, my calling is to talk to you a little bit about debt. D-E-B-T, debt. How many of you are familiar with debt? Familiar with debt? He moved into my house and he acts like he owns the place. (laughs) Maybe he does. I could give you statistics from now till 3 o'clock this afternoon. Just a few of them would be 78% of all Americans uh, live paycheck to paycheck. There's no margin in their lives whatsoever. It comes in and it goes out. 70, almost 80% of us live that way. 54% of all Americans spend more than they make. Well, how does that work? It doesn't work very well. Another way of saying it, it's just the same thought reversed. Most Americans spend 106 to 107% of their annual income. What it says is they're, they're digging. They're digging a hole. They've got a shovel called spending, and boom, 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 they're digging. And they're going deeper and deeper. Here's one that won't be up on the screen, but I just read it uh, yesterday morning. Total U.S. household debt. This is not the national debt. You can look at the clock. This is what we have done. You can't blame this on the government. 
Total U.S. household debt in the last year hit $13 trillion. We're almost drowning in debt. And this song dropped for me, surely for you as well. How many of you know Tennessee Ernie Ford? You're my people. Okay, you're my people. <laughs> it is my job to bring you the good music from the past and to talk about shopping at Fleet Farm. Tennessee Ernie Ford <laughs> sang this song in 1955. Listen to the chorus. Will you load 16 tons? What do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Oh, Tennessee Ernie. He's singing the song. We're talking. He's on topic, right? What's he saying? I go to work every day, load 16 tons of coal, and I go backwards, <laughs> deeper in debt. And by the way, St. Pe- Peter, don't call me because I can't die right now. I'm not ready to go home because I owe my soul to the company store. What does the Bible say about debt? Here's Proverbs 22, verse 7. Just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Solomon speaking. Wisdom for us. Just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is the servant. Some of your Bibles would say slave. You're a slave to the one that's loaned you the money. There's a lot in here. I just would focus on that last part. Listen, folks. The Bible commands tithing. It's not a suggestion. It's what Ryan talked about last week. The Bible commands tithing, encourages saving, and discourages debt. I wouldn't for a minute stand here and say that debt is sinful. It's not. And and I have a mortgage on our our townhouse. Debt is not sinful, but it's dangerous. That's what the Bible is saying. It's dangerous because we can become trapped by it. We can become enslaved by it. It becomes a burden and a weight that some of us just can't carry. Too much debt is really a dance with the devil. And it can steal, extinguish a generous spirit in you, and it can stress your marriages. It really can. What, how does this happen? What's wrong with us? I don't know if there's anything wrong with us, but we live in this consumer-driven culture And sometimes, you know what? It just makes us silly and it makes us selfish. The ads work, folks. No, not on me. (laughs) They spend billions to speak to us that bigger is better, that newer is better, that this product is new and improved. Those two words, new and improved. Some of you would like that in your husbands. New and improved. (laughs) It's all... A variation on the theme of not enough. What I have is not quite enough. What I have is not good enough. How many of you have a high-definition television? Don't raise your hands because most of you do, but I feel bad for you because you should have an ultra-high-definition TV. That's what's out there right now, right? How many of you have an iPhone 6? Well, does it have a dial on it? I mean, what is wrong with you? You're three phones behind, aren't you? And I sat at a stoplight behind a truck. These, these are guys that install garage doors, garage door openers. And the little sign says, you can open your garage door from anywhere in the world. And I thought, I'm such a loser. I can't even open it in, in my driveway. Mine isn't working right now. <laughs> and, and here's another story. It's just stuff, you know, it's not when you're out looking for it, it can come and capture you. Nancy and I, 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 I think this is mid-August. We're sitting at, we have a little lake place up by Anandale. We're sitting at the end of our dock. 
It's the uh, late afternoon, early evening. We're sipping on something. Life is good. Don and Rosemary combine their pontoon boat. They're friends. We wave. They pull up. You want to go for a ride? We're just cruising the lake. Yeah, fine. Good people. In the conversation, Don says, you know, uh, Ruggles is selling his boat. I know Ruggles, and he's got a Malibu boat. I said, he's, he's selling his boat. Yeah. And Don said, do you want to see it? What's my response? Of course I want to see it. Do you want to see it? Look, look at the screen. A, a Malibu Sunsetter. Do you know this boat? 21 feet long, 375 horsepower. The thing sh- just sails across the water, open bow, a sound system that'll make you cry. You know, the, the interior is finer than any one of your living rooms. I, could, I was sitting in the boat. I went, we went over and saw it, and I'm sitting in it, and I'm starting to think, I, I should have this boat. <laughs> and Why? I can tell you why. I was thinking why. Isn't it obvious? Because I worked hard all my life and I'm retired now. Because I'm 70. It's a big birthday. Should get a big present. Really, I would be doing it for my kids and my grandchildren. You know, just get this boat. And by the way, the boat that I do have is 29 years old for crying out loud. And, And I'm sitting there thinking I'd have to be a fool not to have this boat. 15 minutes ago, I was just sitting on my dock minding my own business. Now I'm in this boat trying to think this through. And this little voice keeps saying, Billy, you have a boat. And it is way paid for. And the last time you had it tuned up, he said it runs like a Swiss watch, which is true. Why do I need this other boat? Because. So I talked to some friends, and and the one friend helped me with the solution. This is just perfect. He said, Bill, it would be pretty selfish for you to buy that boat. And I said, I know. What you want to do is... Buy the boat and give it to Nancy for her 70th birthday. (laughs) Hallelujah. It was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't buy the boat. I didn't buy the boat. But I'm telling you, I'm no different than you. Sometimes it's simply a matter of reining in our appetites. And for some of you, it's drugs. For some of you, it's uh, it's gambling. For some of you, it's other addictions. For some of you, it's spending. You, You... we have to rein in our appetites. And surveys show, you know this, you'll love this, men. Surveys show that women buy far more things than, than men do. The women do. Yeah, I knew that. Look at me, boys. The same surveys show that men buy bigger, more expensive things, oftentimes things that they have no need for whatsoever. Okay? So, for many of us, it, it's, it isn't a matter of being selfish or, or, you know, making bad decisions. We simply do life, and yet, and yet, we find ourselves in a place that is untenable, carrying a weight that we can't carry anymore. Dustin and Ashley out in Shakopee, they've got a great story to tell. Watch the screens, please. Hi, I'm Dustin, and this is my wife, Ashley. And we attend the Hosanna Shakopee campus. When we got out of college, we were completely normal. We had a lot of student loan debt. I had a lot of student loan debt. Uh, We had car debt. We had some credit card debt, which completely normal, but made us paycheck to paycheck every month. We started this journey uh, with almost six figures worth of debt. We kind of got to a point in time where we were sick and tired of being sick and tired. Or every single week we would wake up and something else would go wrong and it was emergency. And then one day, my loving husband came home very on fire for this Dave Ramsey program. And it was kind of like, honey, we're starting this. Um, you get X amount of dollars spending money, let's go. So 
It was actually the best thing that could happen. He was able to help balance me where I needed to cut back on my spending and I was able to help him say we can still have fun while we get out of debt. There, were, there was one night I'll never forget, we were sitting at a kitchen table and we were eating tuna because tuna's cheap. At that point it was, we felt sorry for ourselves and we felt like it's never going to end. But it was really important for us to have that moment because together we, we realized that um, we're not alone and that there is a, a greater purpose for what we're trying to do in, in managing our money the way that God intended it. For us, I truly think that we became strong in our faith because we had a lot of difficult circumstances and it required us to rely on more than just ourselves. We needed to have that um, Holy Spirit in our heart and that, that relationship with God and with each other to get through all of this. The feeling of being debt free is like when a Minnesota Vikings kicker lines up to kick a field to kick a field goal, and they actually make it, like it's so, it's so refreshing, um, and a weight lifted off of us. We don't have to worry about paying our car loan, and we don't have to worry about paying a student loan every month. Every single thing that has happened within our lives, good or bad, has been leading us to where we are today. We had made a decision as a couple to not have children until we were out of debt, um, but we have found out that we are gonna need some medical help with having children. And it's as if God put on our heart to say, I need you guys to be good stewards um, of finances because you, you guys are having a journey. And God has prepared us for this next season of life that it hurts a lot, but to not stress about, not about the finances is huge. If we were in debt, we, we wouldn't be able to have a family. I'm so proud of where we have gone in our faith, just learning to truly trust him. And God is with us as we're walking through it to say, um, trust me, mm -hmm. hold on to me, and um, I will be there in the good times when you want to celebrate, and I will be there in the bad times as well. To have that peace is just something that uh, you can't buy. Good story, huh? I, I love it. I love it when people tell their stories because you can lean in and say, okay, I get that. I, that that's us. Dustin and Ashley, what'd they do wrong? Uh, they didn't do anything wrong. They got educated. They got married. They started doing life together. Got, you know, had good jobs. And yet along the way, this debt piled up. And they found themselves in a place where they were sick and tired of being sick and tired. They, it was too heavy. And, and they had no, uh, no margin in their lives financially, no wiggle room if something would have gone wrong. So what did they do? The class, they invited the Holy Spirit in. They got on the same page together as a husband and wife. And they began this financial journey to being debt-free, and they made it. And you heard what he said at the end. This, being, this freedom, being debt-free, it's a peace that you can't buy. I... And they know, they know, by the way, that God has prepared them for next things and he will provide for them. They have some challenges yet, but God's there for them. Look at me, folks. I, I hope that you are encouraged and inspired by their story. If you're finding yourself in that place carrying debt, I, I, I hope that you don't feel shame or guilt. That's not what this is about. We're with each other. And many of us have been there. We're with you right now. And there's a way out. And can I just say three things to you? One is the first one. Write the word down. Stop. 
My dad used to say, knock it off. You're on a path that is harmful and hurting you. And when you're digging and, and the hole goes deeper, stop digging, okay? Stop spending more than you're making. Just stop it. The, the church words, got to hear it from a pastor. The church words are repent and confess. Repent means I'm going this way, but I need to turn around. I'm going on a path that's harmful. Stealing life from me. That's not of God. Repent, that means turn away. Turn back to this sovereign God who would help us. Okay, repent. And the confession is not confessing your sins. We'll do that in a minute. But it's confessing that you need help. That's where the humility is. And there are people here to help you. Folks, uh, the, the mind has to change before the math can change. You have to see things differently. And I saw this the other day. I just like it. When, you see th- you know, when, you, when you're tempted to buy something, just think of the word debt, okay? See it up on the screen and see what it says. Don't even buy that. That's the word debt. <laughs> don't even bother with that. Do you want to see Ruggles' boat? No, I don't want to see the boat. Don't, don't go there, okay? So the first thing is stop. Second thing is choose to honor God. Before, choose to honor God. Here's what Proverbs says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats with, will brim with new wine. Sounds good, doesn't it? First, this sovereign God. Turn to him. Focus on him. Honor him with our first fruits. What does that mean? That's Ryan's message last week. With the tithe. Pastor down in Texas, Robert Morris, I I love his teaching. He says, we are born selfish. We are reborn as we come into faith. We are reborn generous. Little baby is selfish. Two-year-old, what's one of the first words out of their mouths? Mine, mine, mine. They can sit with a pile of toy. I want this one. Nope, it's mine. It's all mine. We can grow out of that. But I would say... God is not a two-year-old, of course. But when his word refers to the tithe, the first 10%, what word is there? It's mine. It's mine. And I'll just press in a little bit further on this. Same thing Ryan said last week. It'd be funny when the place went by, if you saw somebody well, I'm, I, you know, taking out. It, we're in God's house. That money has been given to God. So you wouldn't think anybody would take out of there. And yet many of us take that tithe, which is his, and we put it in our account or we spend it. And I would just ask you, is that not pretty close to the same thing? Stop. Choose to honor God and he will bless you. And then thirdly, make a plan. It's called a budget. Uh, There are, Ryan's going to talk a little bit more about this next week. There are great classes to take, books to read, counselors, advisors. Nancy and I have used them all. We have people coaching us and guiding us, have for years. Um, Some of you don't have a plan or a budget. I I just like the the quote from uh, John Maxwell. He said this, you know, a budget is simply, listen to this, a budget is simply telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Oh, shoot, why do you have to make it so simple? Because <laughs> it can be at times. I just want to close with a couple thoughts, and then we're going to go to the communion table. Um, I always want, I have always wanted over the years, and I've t- talked to people who stand here, I've always wanted what we do here and what we talk about to relate to your Monday and your Tuesday, to life. I want us to be relevant, not just religious. 
So what have we talked about here today? We've talked about debt. I read this, and you can click online and, and, and watch the numbers change. This nation, the United States of America, the greatest nation that has ever existed on the face of the earth, is approaching $22 trillion in debt. I don't know. I can't say that we're drowning in it, but we're digging and digging and digging faster. And I, I have three and two-thirds grandchildren. And I cannot conceive of passing that on to them. It bothers me. What are you going to do Tuesday? Vote. Some of you have already. I did it on Friday, but you can vote on Tuesday. It is your privilege and your right to do that. Vote. How should you vote? Pray, listen, discern, and then exercise that right. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. There are many wonderful candidates that want to do public service. Go vote for them, okay? But I would then say this, that I believe with all my heart that the healing that this nation needs, the hope that we need to have restored, my dear friends, it won't come from government. It will come from God. And so this morning... This morning, I, if I could make eye contact with each one of you, consider what you've heard this morning. Consider what God's Holy Spirit is saying to you, not just in your mind, but laying it on your heart, and consider what your response needs to be. And then in a few moments, when we come to the Lord's table, consider what God has done. For God so loved the world that he gave He gave us his son that he might pour out grace upon us and his son, Jesus Christ, paid a debt that you and I could never pay. I believe that is the truth that needs to prevail once again in your household and in mine. It's the truth that needs to prevail in your heart and in mine. My dear friends, as Jesus said, That is the truth that will set you free. Set you free. That's what we're about today. Let me pray with you. Lord, we thank you that uh, your word is a living, holy, powerful, life-changing word. And it's not about just getting to heaven. You've prepared a place for us there, but it's about Sunday night and Monday and Tuesday and work and life and money and marriages. Help us to hear you, Lord. Help us to focus on you, not all that's going on in our lives, all the problems, but to focus on you to hear you, Lord, and to walk a new path, a path to freedom, to healing, to hope. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen.